Welcome back, everyone. This is The Changelog, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. We're a member-supported blog podcast and weekly email covering what's fresh and what's new in open source. Check out the blog at thechangelog.com, our past shows at 5by5.tv slash changelog, and subscribe to our weekly email. It's called The Changelog Weekly. We ship it on Saturdays. You don't want to miss it. And you can subscribe at thechangelog.com slash weekly. This show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Andrew Thorpe. Now, we recorded this show in particular before the new year. Didn't have time to publish it before the new year, but at the tail end, you'll hear Andrew mention taking some time off. That's already happened. We missed you. We're back. We're excited. It's 2014, and this is episode 116, and uh, it's sponsored by DigitalOcean, FreshBooks, and TopTile. We'll tell you a bit more about FreshBooks and TopTile later on the show, but our, our good friends over DigitalOcean have some cool stuff happening. They're nearing their millionth droplet, and to celebrate, they're giving away $10,000 in hosting credit. $10,000 in hosting credit. You heard it right. Uh, to a lucky user who hits this milestone. And there are three ways you can qualify. Number one, you got to be the user who spins up the millionth droplet. So that's that's number one. Number two, you've got to include your Twitter handle in the droplet's host name. So when you create the droplet, you got to put your Twitter handle in that host name. Uh, and number three, you have to tweet to DigitalOcean with the hashtag millionth droplet. For example, I'm going to be the millionth droplet on DigitalOcean. That would qualify you. If you do all three things, you're in it. So try DigitalOcean today for free using our promo code CHANGELOGSENTME. That's CHANGELOGSENTME. That'll get you a $10 hosting credit as well as, uh, as, well as a chance, I guess, to potentially be the millionth droplet. So good luck to you, but head to DigitalOcean.com to get started. And now, on to the show. We're joined today by Aaron Hammer to talk about Happy, a server framework for Node.js, and Node Black Friday when Walmart went Node for Black Friday. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Why don't you give us an introduction of who you are and what you do? Hey, uh, glad to be here. I am uh, the Node uh, lead architect at uh, Walmart. Uh, I'm part of the mobile group, and my team is uh, basically focused on um, moving the uh, existing um, mobile services uh, infrastructure from uh, some legacy Java stuff to Node, and uh, we basically drive all the uh, all the API for the mobile clients. So, what did you do before uh, working at at Walmart? Uh, immediately before, I was about uh, three years at Yahoo, um, focusing mostly on standards and uh, focusing on uh, interop and and um, uh, open web. I was one of the uh, the founder of the Open Web Foundation and uh, did a lot of uh, IPR work um, in terms of uh, CLA and agreement there. And uh, before that, I spent about ten years on Wall Street uh, building uh, high frequency trading systems. And uh, yeah, that that's that kind of covers the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So you've definitely uh, been deep into the business side of things. Um, I've I've done a whole bunch of different uh, different things. And my my uh, philosophy in life is that life is all about uh, collecting uh, experiences. So I, I tend to get bored with things uh, <laughs> and, and just switch to completely unrelated fields. Yeah. So going from finance to you know just consumer web to retail. Well, let's talk a little bit about the retail. So uh, 
what was behind the decision for Walmart to, to go to Node, and, and what was that process like? Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very intense process, uh, to be honest. Basically, two years ago, uh, Ben and Dion joined uh, 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 Walmart Mobile, and they were looking for ways to kind of you know, move it to the uh, 21st century. Um, from some some really uh, uh, old stacks on Java it was using, and what was clear is that we are not going to be rewriting all the uh, all the backend services, but we are going to be building a new orchestration layer that's going to talk to a whole bunch of uh, new and legacy systems. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, using you know like AS four hundred and and you know offering you you know awesome SOAP APIs and others. A little bit more modern with XML stuff, and and so we don't want to implement any of that on the mobile clients. And what you want to do, you want to build an orchestration layer that kind of abstract all the crap in the back um, or the good stuff in the back, and then provides a uniform API to the mobile clients. So we were looking at different technologies, and we we just felt that Node was the right choice. That uh, an orchestration layer that is mostly doing network. Uh, it's basically a glorified proxy uh, with some data manipulation or data transformation, but it's not, you know, no calculation. You're not pricing anything. You're not uh, you're not managing a complicated state. Um, that that's all done by the upstream, you know, account management mm-hmm. and and those. So, so Node looked like a good choice, and so we just went ahead and made a big bet that it's going to work out. So you obviously Walmart's one of the biggest you know companies in the world, and um, in my experience with larger companies, it can be you know it's a, it's a lot harder to move a big ship right than a than a small boat. And so, what kind of like pain inside of Walmart, if any, did you experience when you're presenting this you know this new newer emerging technology as an alternative to like a reliable uh, stack that's that's been around for a while? So it's still there, there's still resistance coming from other teams uh, within mobile. It, it wasn't was never an issue because uh, mobile started out as a, as a labs like environment where our mandate was to experiment and try new things and use whatever technology we want. Uh, like you know, we were already introducing new things if it's uh, iOS apps right. or Android apps uh, to to the existing uh, IT stack that was used there. So that that wasn't a big deal. But then going to the rest of the organization, you know, when we went to the uh, uh, the IT folks and the data centers to try to get some some machines we can run it on. Uh, one of the first problems we hit is that the um, the version of Solaris that Walmart was running at the time um, could not support Node. We couldn't compile Node on that operating system, and so it took some time for us to convince uh, enough people to get us some you know Linux boxes or SmartOS boxes that we can actually uh, run stuff. So. It, it was more once you start interacting with the, the rest of the IT organization, and it wasn't much pushback. It's just uh, uh, we were asking them to do new things that they have never done before. Uh, and those, you know, those things take a lot of time. Um, and if you think about it, uh, Walmart runs all, I think it's like 17 countries now. Um, so they're running all their operations um, all from the same set of data centers. So you're talking about the retail stores and the online all coming from pretty much the same same spot. So you can imagine the change control in those data centers is is quite insane, right. um, and for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're talking about you know if you if you take down those data centers in the U.S., you're disrupting uh, food supply for about forty percent of the country. So it's 
the, the the scale and the size and the magnitude of any change you're making is is significant. So that that that's still the issue, um, but it, it's been very manageable. Yeah. So for for Walmart Mobile, I guess, and I'm a little I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm fuzzy. I just to I think I've made some assumptions. But you guys, did you launch the Node client for Black Friday, or, or when did that launch actually happen? We deployed our so so we we are working with a proxy strategy where basically the idea is to stick uh, Node as a, as a dumb proxy between the mobile clients and the existing services. And then slowly, as uh, based on business priorities and other requirements, start to hijack endpoints at the proxy and implement them in Node. Mm-hmm. So we've started doing that, um, but we're still um, proxying a large amount of the traffic through Node to the upstream services. So we first rolled this out in April, and uh, we kind of ramped up to 100% of all mobile traffic around June. And we've been running with all mobile traffic going through Node uh, since June. The problem was that uh, we had uh, we suffered from a pretty awful memory leak mm-hmm. um, that caused us basically to have to you know restart the services all the time. And um, so we <laughs> were never sure up until the, the day of Black Friday that, that our system is actually ready for for that capacity. Um, and we had mitigation. We had other plans. We had failovers. So, mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't like, oh, if this doesn't work, we're, we're, we don't have mobile uh, mobile services for Black Friday. That clearly is not going to be acceptable. Right. Um, but we, it, we really didn't know up until the, the day of uh, how well this is going to perform. So how well did it perform? Oh, it was the most boring thing ever. <laughs> you had a tweet. I, was, I, I can't remember exactly, but you, it was something to, along those lines. The, that the servers, servers are bored out of their mind. Yeah, the servers are bored out of their minds, what you said. That's, that was uh, pretty intense. And then you were also doing a lot of live tweeting at that time, too, like, like keeping a lot of nerds uh, on their toes, I'm sure, just kind of like watching your progress. And I know I was shopping and watching at the same time, and I just was watching the, you know, NodeBF was the was the hashtag on Twitter. We linked out to it. And we'll put this in the show notes too, so y'all can catch up. Those listening, but Node uh, had the servers that were that they were bored. So what yeah. was that like? I mean, the servers were doing nothing. Uh, they averaged about 075 percent CPU. That's not seventy five percent. That's 075 percent. And and by the way, we had a we had a bug in our monitoring system for a while where uh, we thought that the range was zero to one. And we were really worried for a while because we were constantly hitting 50 to 60% CPU. <laughs> and then we started investigating, like, what is going on? I mean, the, the, we're not doing anything. Why is the CPU so high? It should really be like 20. Um, and then we realized that it was a unit uh, bug. And yeah. we were actually at 0.5% CPU. So That's yeah, it was very, very uneventful. Um, but... Uh, Node, the node process was just sitting there doing nothing. Uh, memory was completely stable. Uh, people have uh, nicknamed my uh, RSS charts as uh, my um, um, lasagna charts. Oh, uh, yeah. Where basically it just looks like a bunch of yep. like, you know, swiggly but flat, flat lines. trending yeah. lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it was really, really boring. And, and as the night progressed and, and you know, my, my team was all up. Uh, everybody was coming up with suggestions of how we can uh, just just gently poke the servers to make something break, <laughs> just to kind so, of keep it a little, a little more interesting. Everybody has their own suggestion of what right. we can do. So, I mean, like you said, Black Friday is like the biggest retail day 
you know, of the year. And you guys, what, what were you planning for? You said you had no idea what was going to happen, but I mean, really no idea or were you hoping for the best or like, did, what, what was in y'all's mind? Um, so, I mean, the, the industry uh, as a whole, the average is basically 40 to 60% of annual revenues online happen between Thanksgiving and Black and between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hmm. Which, if you think about it for a business, that's that's awful. It's insane. Yeah. And if you have a day downtime um, with uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday being the uh, the two busiest uh, shopping days, although now with all the retailers, Thanksgiving has become uh, the number one shopping day. It's a little crazy, but um, that that's that's where we've seen the most traffic, especially since everybody's. Uh, looking up the deals, not mm-hmm. necessarily buying, but they're looking it up. So we had the business every year, the business gives us estimates of how much traffic, uh, what's the multiplier going to be from both last year and from uh, like from September of the same year. Yeah. And so we were looking at, uh, at you know, two, three, four times multipliers in terms of volume. But more than anything, we really didn't know how well the upstream services are going to perform. So if you think about it, Node sits between the clients and the uh, and the Java services, and because Node is doing such a great job managing the income tra- the incoming traffic, it's such a great uh, little executable for managing sockets. Mm-hmm. It's basically acting as a queue. So load balancer is, is basically sending traffic to the Node processes. And then they are trying to proxy it over to Java. And if Java is behind and starting to get slow, it doesn't really add much load on the node process in terms of CPU because it's just because it's a non-blocking system. Right. So it doesn't do anything. It's just sit there waiting for socket events. And no socket events are coming back. But what is happening is that we are growing in memory because all we're keep, you know, we keep Pushing holding more and more and more mm-hmm. sessions in memory until the Java stuff is ready. And in that environment, basically, node becomes a queue and if Java gets very, very slow, then notice, you know, the queue gets very, very big until at some point it blows up. So we didn't really know what to expect in terms of how big is this queue going to be? How, how well is the memory going to perform? So we, we basically dumped a lot of extra capacity. Yeah. We ended up, I think, with about six times more capacity than we actually needed, <laughs> um, which really contributed to like, the completely boring uh, yeah, exactly. uh, performance. So this was then a, a major success, right, for you and your team? Uh, this, this was huge. I think, um, I, I think we kind of proved the entire stack, but also like my, I, the, the quote I've been using uh, privately in conversation with uh, the Node Core team and, and, and you know, um, a few other companies like Joyent and uh, um, Voxer, um, I kept saying, like, I don't want to be the, uh, I don't want to be what Twitter was for Rails. I don't want to yeah. be the, the, you know, Rails doesn't Node scale, scale guy yeah. of Node. <laughs> um, because even though, like, you know, it was largely bullshit at the time, um, it, it did cause quite a significant damage to, to Rails adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once, once Twitter was having problems, a lot of people, uh, there was, like, this, this backlash and people were going back to PHP because, you know, Facebook was on PHP and that was clearly much better. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. Like, like I'm not going to be the number one, you know, headline on Hacker News saying, you know, no doesn't scale. Uh, just ask Walmart. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I was really freaking out about that. And, and that was kind of like, that was like the back of my mind, um, as we were approaching this. And yeah. so we kind of threw more capacity at it. We were like watching it. Um, 
like everybody on the node core team was like following it throughout the night like all waiting for like anything if anything goes wrong to jump on irc with us and like help us fix it live <laughs> um it was really like you know it, it it meant a lot to the community as a whole yeah it seemed like it's, it i mean that's really the way i took it because we tweeted say we tweeted uh that night uh follow um node bf on twitter and lots of retweets came from that and i think your tweet alone got 82 favorites and 157 retweets and it just seemed like a lot of people were just like watching real time and a lot of people who were involved in node just kind of like you know behind the scenes cheering to make sure that you know everything had gone successfully for you yeah I mean, my, my uh my follower account on twitter jumped by like a thousand for the night hmm. um <laughs> Crazy. So it, it was it was uh, it was quite funny. But it's a um, you know it's, like you said it's big for the community, right? Yeah. I mean, people that like Node they want to see Node succeed, and so it's not just big for you and your team because you're proving a, a, an emerging technology to a to a you know a very large company. But it, it is it's 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 big for the whole community because, like you said, if if something would have fallen flat on its face, whether it was your fault or you know an inherent problem with Node, then you're right. It, the the rumors would have been Node can't scale, and I mean you still hear that every once in a while when people. People are talking about rails, mm-hmm. you know, just when they haven't, you know, been maybe not in the community for the last couple of years, but you'll still, you know, every once in a while hear somebody say rails can't scale. And, you know, that, that kind of sticks with you. So you're right. It, it's a, it's a good thing for the whole community, not just the, the Walmart node branch, you know? Yeah, this, this was a big deal. And it also, uh, um, at node summit, I gave a talk, but basically my, my plan for node summit was to give a talk about black Friday. Of course, there was nothing to talk about. So, I basically gave a talk about how everything went wrong all the way until Black Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, we only got the the fix for the for the um, infamous memory leak in um, the week of. Like we actually that, that we and we couldn't even verify it because we were doing daily uh, daily releases, so we we never actually got to observe the server over you know over like. 48 hours to see that the memory leak was actually fixed. Mm-hmm. So it was all very theoretical. And we, so that was part of the, the thing is that if the memory leak was still going on, uh, it required us to restart our servers every seven days. And we were expecting, you know, up to 10x yeah, uh, traffic. And well, that means we can have to restart the servers more than once a day. Yeah. And on Black Friday, you don't really want to touch your servers. Right. Um, so, so it was all very suspenseful, but it was kind of like uh, edge of your seat suspenseful, but boredom. So, did you have somebody like working on that memory leak all the time, trying to find it, or, or what happened with that? Um, so, we found a memory leak. Uh, well, we we saw the pattern of the memory leak back in uh, uh, April already, and then by June, it was I I was convinced the memory leak, um, and it was. Uh, uh, it was one of those things where, like, I I, I I argue with everybody, including my own team, that it is a memory leak, and they were like, "No, it must be something else." Uh, and I said, "No, it's a it's a node memory leak," and they're like, "No, this it can't be node memory leak because somebody else would report it, right?" Like, other people are, are using node in production, mm-hmm. and they're not seeing any of that behavior. And so we end up spending quite a lot of effort uh, putting quite a lot of monitoring into the system, where. I was basically spending three months trying to find correlation between the memory leak when memory was was spiking to when something else was going on. So we added monitors for uh, client disconnects and response times and uh, concurrent connections and just connections per uh, per second and like really like we have we, we we build in so much monitoring into it so we can start comparing it and nothing correlated, just absolutely nothing. We knew the more traffic we get. 
overall the more leak we get but it's not the leaking is not happening when the traffic is coming in it's just that there's a correlation between the overall daily pattern mm -hmm. and at some point i found a few clues that i had some ideas and i said okay we're going to make a configuration change that is going to double the amount of uh, http client calls that we're making and uh, and i said and, and watch we'll do that and the memory leak will double itself and people were like kept saying like no 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 it's not gonna happen and of course memory leak doubled itself uh, which helped us you know zo um, zoom into the exact uh, spot where we're we're leaking and I was able to isolate that and then I wrote a little program that, that showed it but it took about 12 hours of it to run to even show you a slight leak mm -hmm. and it was so all it, from what closing file descriptors no it, it ended up being a, a missing uh, a handle scope in the C++ side of node in one, it was one it was one line missing in node uh, in one function um, it was basically two C++ words <laughs> that was the bug and it caused a four in some cases it caused a four bytes leak per http request yeah so and it takes a little while to add it, up but that definitely adds up uh yeah and so and at the time we were leaking about um eight eight megs a day so so we we got it really really low by mitigating it in other ways but mm -hmm. um couldn't really solve it and then the uh um tj fontaine from the node core team um uh, was able to uh he spent like three weeks on it um, we so they, took some crazy stuff, and there's a there's a great blog post on the um, on the Joyent uh, blog, uh, detailing exactly uh, uh, what TJ uh, uh, used, and and it's kind of like a, <laughs> a little bit like a black magic. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. The blog post, though. Let me ask you, what was that experience like going back and forth with the the Node Core team, and and you know trying to prove this, and how how receptive were they to you, like you know pointing this stuff out. So when we first reported it uh, back in like June or July, it was the uh, people have been uh, quite dismissive. Um, where basically the the theory was like there is no way we have such a gigantic memory leak and you're the only one seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, but when at the end when I was able to actually come and say hey here's a little bit of node code and if you run it it will show you the leak. Uh, and then of course they ran it and they were like no we're not seeing any leak and I said like just just leave it alone for 12 hours and come back to it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And they did, and they, and, they, and they opened it up, and it's like, no, it still doesn't look like a leak. It's like, oh, go ahead and plot your trend line, yeah, on that on that chart. And then they did that, and they're like, oh yeah, you know what? It looks like there's something going on there. And then as they added more instrumentation, they could actually start seeing um, what was actually happening is uh, uh, V8 was building a gigantic array of uh, undefined. Which is where the four mm -hmm. bytes came from. Basically, it was pointing to the canonical undefined reference within the V8. Uh, it was just building a gigantic array of undefined that was never were never getting cleaned. Right. Uh, so because of the. So you said it was yeah. fixed the week of. Is that right? It was fixed about two two weeks before. Um, uh, but uh, there was some uh, some build issue with the uh, uh, SmartOS distribution of the new version of Node, and so. Uh, we missed uh, a stress test because it was like a few hours late, and then after that we were busy with a few other things. So we were we ended up putting it uh, a week before, and uh, and crossing our fingers. Yeah, can you really like how easy is it to to test that though to stress test that? Uh leave your system in production for a day. Yeah, it's uh yeah like my favorite thing about Walmart to say is that we're we're too big to stage. Um, 
Yeah. And and the reality is that we could not really reproduce it for months. Um, and we still can reproduce it with the actual system. The only way I was able to reproduce it was with with this little script I mm-hmm. wrote that was uh, creating a very specific scenario of bursts of, of traffic um, to actually stress node in just the right way to to make it happen. Yeah. Well, so long story short, though, the, the whole thing was a, a big success, big win for you, big win for Node. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the actual, I, I mean, the implementation of, of uh, you know, what you guys did and then potentially, you know, get into Happy a little bit. So is it my, it's my understanding that you guys started out um, using Express as that was really the only option at the time. Is that right? So I, I started, uh, the origins of Happy were really uh, back at Yahoo. I was working on a project called Sled for about a year. So I started when Node was uh, just point two just came out. Um, so I guess it was November three years ago, and and I was building a, a list making uh, a collaborative list making tool at Yao, and and I used Express at the time. Um, it was really the only option. Um, there was really just Express and Connect; those were the only two things, uh, and Express was built on top of it. And we used that for a while, but what was going on, you know, in that one year is that I found myself basically building a framework on top of Express because Express uh, gave so little functionality. It basically was just a router with a little bit of uh, of helpers, but it it wasn't really a, a full web framework that that did all the things I want in terms of uh, redirect the right way and uh, and handle. Uh, um, um, like rendering views without having to constantly set up the view uh, context, and um, and at the time also the the middleware ecosystem for Express was very very uh, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, basically, I was finding uh, Express bugs on a daily basis and just and just IMing uh, uh, TJ and saying, "Hey, TJ, another one." <laughs> um, and so that that has changed very dramatically. But uh, when I went to Walmart, what I did is I basically I took the uh, the Express. Um, layer that we've built um, in, in the in the Sled project, which was open source by Yahoo, uh, so that was easy. And then um, we, we kind of like said, okay, we're going to call this happy, and it's going to be basically an express layer that uh, that will add all of everything we needed. And, and if you look at what PayPal just did uh, with their uh, um, 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 Kraken framework, it, they kind of did the same thing. They took express, and then they realized express by itself is not really a very useful framework um, for a large team, so they, added, they went and added a bunch of, uh, of, of abstraction and layers on top of that. Right. So we did that for a while, and it was working well. But then we uh, we started hitting uh, the, the limits of, of what Express can do. And the biggest one is the, the way the, the router is designed in Express. It's basically just a gigantic array of regular expressions. And all it's doing is that whenever a request comes in, it's just... It just goes through the array in the order that you edit your routes into the array, and it's doing a, a regex match against each one of them. And when it finds a match, it calls the function uh, that will match it. And when you uh, and all the middleware stuff is basically just adding a wildcard <laughs> match into the array. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing. There's no magic there. It's a very, very. Um, it's kind. Of, it's kind of beautiful in, in how simple the the entire uh, architecture of Express is, but. When you work in in, a, in an enterprise environment, when you have multiple teams working on the same server, you're going to uh, want the server to take care of, for example, collisions in your routes. You don't want to have to, to end up with you know two routes with the same path, uh, two middlewares conflicting on what they're changing, um, and very fast we got ourselves into um, middleware hell, 
which uh, I, I'm, I'm very proud to say that, that that was a term that I <laughs> I started. Um, <laughs> probably being like one of the first people to actually use Express in, in such a, a large scale that uh, we experienced it. And and it was it was really painful. We yeah. we wanted the framework to t- to protect us from from doing stupid things, and it wasn't. So we switched to a director from the Nojitsu guys, and we used Noji- uh, director for a little bit um, because director just gives you a router, and you can use it as any way you want. Uh, but then we hit limitation there as well because of the way they store the route tree. And at that point, we felt pretty good about just doing our our own uh, mm-hmm. internals. Um, we're talking about you know. A year and a half into working on this this environment, and um, and the other thing is that that when you start to, to build a, a real production dependency on 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 these things, you you kind of require a different level of maturity from the from the modules you're using, from the open source stuff you're using, and we found ourselves um, uh, trying our best to use like public open source modules, but very slowly but surely moving towards more and more code base that we were we were managing it just because uh, the quality was was uh, more uh, within our our uh, criteria and uh, if there was a problem we can fix it right away we didn't have to fork right. uh, or, or start playing all those games or trying to find someone on you know Twitter to help us uh, accept a, a pull request we've made and so uh, we're still using a significant amount of open source stuff but uh, Whenever we we hit a wall with a with a module, um, oh, we we are much more trigger happy now to fork it and create our own than than we were a year ago. Right. You guys and are much more kinda, familiar with the whole environment now as a team and and your your needs in that environment. So there's a lot more confidence in that area, I would imagine. Yeah, and and we we're also uh, uh, we we feel like we're you know we're we're giving uh, we're giving enough back that uh, um, like we. Uh, if you talk to most of the, uh, the 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 leader in the Node community, they're all about you know small, tiny modules. You know, they all hate frameworks. Um, you know, and and it's it's kind of funny whenever they they talk about framework. They, like you always hear one of them will say, "Yeah, there's also you know happy from the from the Walmart guys." Um, which, if you're doing large scale stuff, that's actually a good solution. But you know, really, you don't need it. Um, it's always <laughs> this you know qualified love yeah. uh, coming from 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 uh, a lot of the the core Node people, which. I respect, but at the same time, if you work in a large, large team, um, you have a lot of people building stuff. You really want to have a, a, a plug-in architecture that people can build their own stuff and then just deploy it together without having to coordinate every change, without having that one gigantic, scary routing table file that everybody mm-hmm. has to constantly change uh, to get their stuff into the server. Um, so it's uh, those were the, 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 the things we focused on the last year in terms of, uh, of the framework. So it's interesting then because you guys started. So you did your own thing, and and with Happy, you talk about you know how how Node the Node community loves a bunch of little tiny modules. But uh, you you briefly mentioned it, but you, you went through a pretty modular approach to how you deal with Happy, right? So um, first of all, you, your uh, organization name on GitHub is Spumco, and uh, get, why don't you real quick tell tell me the story you said about Spumco and where that came from? So. The the first module was called Happy, which was uh, short for uh, HTTP API. Uh, so it was really an acronym. But then as soon as uh, I wrote it down, I was like Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Um, all my childhood, the Ren and Stimpy days, uh, just you know, <laughs> came flooding, flooding back. And so of course, the second module we uh, we created was called Joy, 
and we called it uh, J O I just to stick with the same spelling mm-hmm. um, style of, of happy. Uh, and after that, basically every new module we created uh, was uh, based on some kind of Ren and Stimpy character or, or episode. Uh, and at some point, we were like over 30 um, public uh, GitHub projects, which made uh, life on the official Walmart Labs GitHub account quite miserable because uh, uh, GitHub doesn't give you like any way to organize your stuff other than everything is flat right. in, your, in your organization. And when you have uh, a couple hundred other people all using the same GitHub uh, organization, the dashboard becomes useless. So we were like, okay, we need to move our stuff to a new org. And what, what are we going to call it? And I was like, I, I don't want to call it another like you know Walmart two or like <laughs> let's find let's find something a little more creative. So we we chose Spunko, which is uh, uh, Spunko with a K, with a C is the name of the animation studio that created Ren and Stimpy. And so we call our, our uh, organization Spunko with a K uh, as a kind of a homage to uh, um, to that. Yeah, um, it's all your all your uh, plugins here. So uh, you guys actually were brave enough to name one Poop, and that is the plugin for uh, or the module for uh, kind of like exception error handling. Is that right? Well, the the proper tagline is uh, it's a plugin for taking dumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, processing a dump and cleaning up after an uncaught exception. Uh, so that's a, that's funny, but that's so, hilarious. Yeah, it's a very modular <laughs> approach. Now, this interesting design is that is that kind of like to speak true, you know, to kind of capture the heart of the Node community so that people can pick the modules as they want and kind of mix and match what they want for their different configuration. So I, I'm a big believer in uh, expansion contraction pattern of development, where you add features to your main uh, main framework to the core of the framework, and then as they mature, as as you gain some experience of how they work, you figure out if they should be abstracted out into their own uh, sub module or if they should stay part of the core system. You're still keeping the same integrated experience overall, but uh, in terms of code organization, you're still breaking it up. So. Right. Um, but uh, I would argue that uh, so so happy itself uh, the the just the happy module it's a pretty heavy framework so I wouldn't try to portray it as a lightweight modular solution um, it's taking a very opinionated hands-on approach to to um, uh, writing an HTTP uh, web server or API server and the reason for that is that we really want an integrated solution where. When you define a route, you can define the caching policy all in one place. You can define your authentication. You can define your your um, input validation, and and everything just works out of the box. You don't have to then start basically finding the right plugin to do this and the plugin to do that. Everything we we deemed as absolutely necessary for building any kind of modern uh, web application is built in, and and so so that's a, that's a core uh, uh, principle there. What we've done, though, is um, whatever we, we consider to be uh, more of, a, of an optional component, for example, um, there's a very popular um, um, express uh, middleware called um, Passport that, uh, that basically everybody's using for all their third-party authentication. So we created a wrapper for that, uh, and, and that's called Travelog. And so that's not part of Core. It's, part of, uh, it's a heavy plugin you can add in. The other thing is, is that uh, we designed a plugin system 
to basically avoid all the middleware hell that that we've experienced before. So you can actually de de describe relationship between plugins. Mm -hmm. One one plugin can actually say I require another one to work. Uh, a plugin can actually be very specific in the, into the order of execution to say, hey, first go run this. Uh, um, CSRF plugin, and then you only then run the cookie one or the other way around, depending mm -hmm. on what you need. And so, uh, when you're loading them, you don't have to worry about the order in which you're loading them. Um, as long as they describe the, the the relationship, they will the happy loader will make sure that it's uh, done in the right order based on how it's been prescribed. So, so we've done a lot of that stuff. Um, we're we're trying to avoid as much as possible. Uh, so we're discouraging people from building new happy specific plugins as much as possible so like a lot of people are creating these plugins and then they're all very disappointed when they're like they're showing it to me and i was like but why is it a plugin like why is it not just a regular node module that mm -hmm. you use um there is this excitement of you know like getting a putting a stake in the ground and saying i created the you know the happy plugin for this yeah um but in practice it's, it's not necessary so uh, we look at plugins as basically um, something that is directly interacting with the framework, that's directly adding functionality to the framework, uh, that is defining routes. Um, if if you if all you want to do is uh, you know parse a, a multi-form uh, you know response or request, uh, I would say don't build a plugin for that. Just just write a module. Right. Yeah, it's a different way of viewing it, I guess. People kind of it's a I don't know what the what the mindset is, right? But uh, let's say, you know, like Go, right? It's a pretty early adoption stage for, for the programming language of Go. And so people love to um, write like the port of another solution for that thing, right? So people say, oh, if they're using, um, you know, let's say you didn't have your, your passport wrapper for, for Happy, then they would say, well, people use Passport for Express. I want to write the passport for for happy. And I think it, it causes some fragmentation in the community, right? Because it, it, it I, you, you know, you can talk a long time about what the motivations behind that kind of looking for like some sort of fame or, or whatever. But at the same time, like they want to help the community by providing a solution. So I think node and NPM specifically kind of, kind of makes it pretty simple, right? To just use NPM modules in general. And so perhaps you're right that it makes more sense to, to write a module that, um, you know, is easier to manage in that way than, than trying to do a specific plugin for happy. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that, uh, really all, all you need in order to create a happy plugin is to export, export one function called register. And so that's all, that's all we're looking for when we're loading a plugin. So, um, but you know, if, if if you're writing a module and you really want it to be easily um, absorbed into the Happy ecosystem, then you know, write your plugin, write your module the way you would write it for anybody to use, and then just add one more exported function, um, so it so it can also work as a, mm -hmm. um, as a as a plugin for Happy. And I would argue that you know, if you're doing that, might as well you know export one more function, and then it can also work as a uh, as a middleware for Express, uh, if you know if you design it properly, then then it should be pretty easy to uh, to bridge the two um, for most of the, the the basic stuff that people are looking for. Let's pause for a minute and give a shout out to our sponsor, FreshBooks. Now we've been using FreshBooks literally for years and years and years. I, I gotta say, probably as far back I can remember using FreshBooks is like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, maybe. But they're a staple in our business and what we do. We would literally be lost if we didn't have fresh books to use for our invoice management. We absolutely, hands down, 
red-faced, love fresh books. Absolutely. So just in case you didn't know, we love fresh books. But if you're the kind of person who's still sending your, your invoices with Word or Excel and maybe you've kind of got your receipts kind of shoved into a shoebox, kind of keeping track of your expenses there and just kind of hoping things will work out, well, with FreshBooks, you can easily do all of that. You can create invoices online. You can capture and, tra- uh, capture and track expenses on the go. You can get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. It's super, super easy, perfect for any large or small business. We absolutely love it. And we want you to try it today for free. You can sign up today at GetFreshBooks.com. And here's the l- delicious part that uh, FreshBooks is doing for our listeners. Every day, they're giving away a birthday cake. That's right, a birthday cake to someone who signs up for a new account from this show. So for your chance to win, enter the change log in the, sh- in the, uh, in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up for a new account. And just know that with FreshBooks, every day could be your birthday. So go sign up at GetFreshBooks.com. So when was 1.0 of Happy released? Or, or I guess a better question, I'm not sure what your versioning structure looks like. When was Happy Production Ready released? Uh... Well, it was in production before 1.0, but um, we uh, so we're using the numbers to basically as just a regular Stanford contract mm-hmm. of, uh, of you know a patch is just a bug fix that's backward and forward compatible, and then uh, minor is uh, backward compatible and major is not backward compatible. Uh, and so 1.0 came out I think in April. Uh, we um, we got it out right together with the uh, Node uh, .10 release. And that has been used in production for uh, um, since then, and uh, we're working on um, 2.0 um, right now, uh, hoping to ship it out next week. And there are really no major uh, changes in it. It's just that um, it's been long enough that we've uh, accumulated uh, a little too much uh, backup compatibility crap. Mm-hmm. Around it, um, we've you know as as we've been using it, as people have been using it, we got a lot of feedback, and a lot of the decisions we made you know in April were no longer valid uh, in in September. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, we really don't want this configuration value to be in the same node as this configuration value because it doesn't it doesn't work right when you're trying to use defaults. And so we made backup compatible changes, but it, it got to a point now where uh, it, it's it's kind of time to clean it up. And, and do a, a breaking release. So it's a very non-dramatic 2.0. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. Um, I was watching, I don't know what video it was, but uh, like a tutorial happy video that you all put on. And, and I just noticed somebody was put, uh, you know, adding, uh, adding routes, adding handlers with the route method on the server. And then I saw in the documentation that there was the add route method. And so I was like, I wonder where, you know, is something's wrong or, you know, in my head, I was like, I bet there's a major change coming out that that's like breaking, you know, that's either deprecating this or breaking it or something. And it was interesting to me that, that you all have a issue open for 2.0 breaking changes. That's, that's a neat way to do it. And, uh, it was pretty, um, you know, simple for me to figure out what was going on and why I saw the kind of the discrepancy between the two. So, um, how how much you know? I guess my question is how how actively is your you know issues are your issues on the on the project watched? Like, well, do most people know that these breaking changes are coming that are using Happy or or you know? I guess that's the an awkward way to say basically. But how much activity have you guys had around like the open source issues, kind of pull request, kind of a thing? Um, so there's a couple hundred people that are actually actively watching 
the the issues. Um, at this point, pretty much everybody who's using it in any kind of serious capacity, if you have a, a production dependency on it, you're, you're watching what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we have uh, we've basically um, went all in on on GitHub as our everything. You know, it's our project management solution, our team communication solution. It's basically we put everything there. There, there is no other like ticketing system for for Happy like in privately in Walmart or anywhere else. Um, we basically made a decision that it's an open source project and we're going to run it completely as an open source project. Even though, um, you know, we like I get bug reports from you know internal teams and I always say like go open an issue and they're like really like this issue you want me to like put it on the web? I was like yeah, go open an issue. <laughs> It's like I'm not embarrassed by it. It's yeah. like it's a bug, and we'll fix it. You go open an issue. I mean, people will see the 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 the, the commit, so it's not like you know you can you hide can sneak anything. it by them. Yeah. Um, but we've also made extensive use of milestones even before uh, GitHub kind of cleaned their act with versions. Um, so we've been using milestones quite extensively. So we don't do release notes because all we're doing we're like we're very religiously tagging everything to uh, to an issue and then the issues are all part of, uh, of milestones so you can see exactly if you just look up you want to say okay what changed between this and this you can just bring up the milestones and you can mm-hmm. see exactly what issues were associated and then once we did that we kind of added the uh, the breaking change uh, uh, label and we said hey you know what if we're going to make a change that's going to be breaking um, and we and before we were 1.0 you know basically every minor release was a, was a breaking change like right. every one of them was like Oh yeah, you can't upgrade unless you like rewrote your entire app, um, and and after that it became a lot more, a lot less, sorry, a lot less significant. I think we made like two breaking changes throughout 1.0, and both were for security reasons. So like we changed the default of uh, like multi-part uh, parser not to create files by default, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that that we felt like you know what this is a a breaking change worth making. Um, yeah, the no- the whole Node community had to kind of. To do that, pretty much, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. So, um, we 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 had a couple of breaking changes in one that were just that important. Um, but overall, uh, it hasn't been a big deal. And now we're working on two point and um, we're we're kind of like we have the one issue that we collect everything, mm-hmm. and it's more of like edited, and it's it's a lot, a lot more friendly. For you to understand, but then every individual issue that is actually the one where the change is being made, we also tag that. Gotcha. So, because um, I'm not expecting everybody to be able to sit there and go through my, you know, 300 breaking changes issues in 2.0 and like read every one of those. I mean, th- th- that would be awful. <laughs> so instead, like we're, you know, we're basically doing it that way, and it's also great because then once we're done. Writing a migration guide is just kind of like doing some editorial on that particular issue. Yeah. Uh, and then and that and, that, and that's how we do it too. Like we're gonna go in and edit that, and that will be the migration guide. Mm-hmm. Like we're not gonna actually like publish a like a wiki page of doing that. So do you know anyone like that's using Happy in production besides you guys at a at a at a large scale? Uh, I don't know about large scale. Um, I know that. Uh, um, Mozilla was using it for some of their identity stuff, um, for some of their, their, their browser ID. Uh, they were using Happy. I don't know what's the status right now, but they, they uh, were using it as of a few months ago. Um, I know uh, MasterCard um, is using it for some of their new project. Uh, Conan Ask, the, the, the publisher, uh, they're using it as a, as a building block for their new uh, um, uh, cross-platform environment. 
so, and of course, Walmart is using it uh, um, uh, quite heavily right now for mobile. Mm-hmm. And we're looking this year to expand beyond mobile to uh, a lot of other uh, areas of the, of the e-commerce business. So, yeah, so it has some uh, significant adoption. Um, but then others, you know, uh, um, have have made a decision to uh, uh, either build their own or, or use Express. So uh, I, I think it, I, the, the default behavior for a lot of people right now is, um, is to pick Express because everybody else is using Express. Mm-hmm. And then um, they they tend to once they got into Express they they feel like it's too much right now to make changes so they just keep building more and more layers on top yeah to make it more manageable for them um, so I'm hoping that you know as as time passes and more people are seeing you know, what we're doing with it um, you know they can uh, they can make a, a, a different decision and for example like if you you know if you if you have an existing API. And you want to take the, uh, the the proxy strategy to migrate to a new stack, which is a, it's a really great uh, um, approach in terms of you know sticking your your layer in, in between and slowly making changes. Using you don't need to go in. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to sit you know sit in 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 dark room for a year and you know and rebuild everything. And of course, we know how well that works <laughs> right. in production. Like when you ship the new version and nothing works right, and then you know it's a year behind and the project gets canceled and everybody quits. Right. So. Yeah, and 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 basically, you can you can uh, deploy Happy with probably about thirty lines of your own code and get all the proxy functionality immediately at Walmart, you know, Walmart scale. Yeah. So that that's kind of neat. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I mean, that that was kind of my next question was, you know, what's the future of Walmart look like for this kind of stuff? So how much kind of so you're on the mobile team? How much um, you know? I don't know what the best way to, to ask is, but how, how much impact have you had on the other teams in Walmart? So it was kind of interesting because uh, uh, there was, about a year ago, there was some effort within the, uh, the the people in the company who like to set standards. And they came to me and they said, we, you know, more people are asking us about Node, so can we make it the formal that like Happy is the official framework at, at Walmart? And I said, no, like, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want anybody to use Happy because some policy is dictating it because mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't use it because you're telling me what to use. So, so I don't want to do it to other people. Um, so we never like actually like promoted it within the company and people just picked it up all on their own. It's kind of neat. All of a sudden like we're getting uh, issues open and then like after like a few back and forth, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Are you from the Santa Clara office? <laughs> um, so it was kind of like this, this funny where like we were meeting other people on like the IRC channel, like you know, coworkers that we have never met before. Um, so some of the other um, other teams were building like smaller, uh, like like panels for the main website, like uh, recommendations mm-hmm. and like the social stuff. Uh, they're using Happy to build their own stuff, um, and they have like their own deployment, their own servers, um, and they like they you know every once in a while they'll come back. Um, but the, the the real goal um, for for my team this year is going to be to kind of like look and see where we can add value um, beyond mobile um, as we're uh, as Walmart e- you know uh, Walmart uh, uh, e-commerce uh, as a whole is is moving to uh, new APIs and new technologies on the back end. Um, we're all going to have to move to that stack, uh, and then also we're expanding our our mandate. Um, to other countries. So right now, the mobile team is uh, focused primarily on the U.S., uh, where we have uh, Walmart and Sam's Club, and we also are um, uh, working on the mobile apps for, for Asda, which is the uh, Walmart brand in the U.K. Um, 
and Walmart is active in a lot more other countries, including you know Mexico and Canada and China and Brazil, and it's a very long list. Uh, so we are um, at some point going to expand um, to those. So it's really seeing how how much we can scale the node um, uh, engineering process uh, beyond just you know scaling the the, the software, but also scaling the the, the engineering itself, right. like the, the the writing of the, the software itself. We're going to pause the show for just a minute and give a shout out to our awesome sponsor, TopTal. They've been sponsoring the show for a little bit, and we've had a chance to tell you about some really awesome stuff they're doing. I've been working with Brendan, their co-founder and CTO, and I mentioned that you know I wasn't quite sure what to expect from them, and uh, I was, but I was excited about what they're doing. They're helping developers who want to freelance with some really awesome companies find ways to do that. Uh, and it's their mission. These guys are the real deal. They're engineers themselves from top to bottom. They're not technical re- recruiters trying to pimp developers. So if that's what you think, then you've got you've got them completely pegged wrong. They're a network of elite engineers all around the world who work with some really awesome clients. And for those of you out there who are freelancing or, or would like to freelance, you've got to check out TopTile. You can work on special projects with companies like Airbnb, Artsy, IDEO, and many others. You can work remotely. You can go to Andrew's favorite place, which is on a beach, or anywhere in the world. It's, they're, they're, no office is required. And to get started, head to toptile.com slash developer. Click join the best. And because they want to work with only the best senior engineers out there, they've got a well-thought-out four-stage screening process that begins with a personal phone call via Skype to kind of get to know who you are and introduce you to who they are and what their mission is and see if you're a fit. And from end-to-end, the screening process includes an English-speaking test, a timed algorithm test, technical interviews with core top-tile engineers, as well as a test project. And once you've made it past the screening process, the sky is the limit. And if you think you have what it takes, head to toptile.com slash developer right now to get started. Tell them the changelog sent you and enjoy. Now back to the show. One of the things I wanted to kind of implore, uh, I don't know if that's even the right word at this point, but to kind of congratulate or maybe thank you guys about was, you know, we've had a, on the show a few times in the last couple of weeks, we've had discussions around, you know, how a, one deployment tool will come out and another deployment tool will come out and say, you know, we, we are better than X or we don't suck as much as X. And they'll kind of take a shot at the person that they're, they're building on top of. And, uh, you know, I was looking through happy and you guys obviously are, I wouldn't say you're a competitor with express, but you've definitely kind of entered the same space as express. And I don't see anything on, you know, your website saying like, we're better than express or the reason we're doing this because express stinks. And, and I personally, I just wanted to like, thank you guys for that. Cause that's a, I think that's a good, a good thing to get away from in the open source community. Well, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think I had like in the last year, I had one tweet where I said basically something like, you know, uh, it's it's time if you're doing something serious with Node, it's time to start looking beyond Express. Uh, I, I think I was a little more snarky about it, but um, but really, like, there's 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 two ways of looking at it. One is um, we're we are clearly the underdog in this space. Um, uh, both Express and and Restify. Uh, which is the uh, the joint um, um, API framework? I have a lot more um, deployed uh, use cases than Happy has right now. Um, we have more revenues going through it, so you know, combine. <laughs> there's definitely more money being bet on on Happy <laughs> than everybody else combined. Um, but that, that's not a very meaningful statistic. Yeah, exactly. George saying it. Um, Basically, so, you're just saying so, Walmart's so you, using it at that point. Yes. <laughs> so, well, I know if Mastercard puts some some real revenue on it too. I mean, yeah. I think mm-hmm. between those two, it's going to be like pretty significant. Um, but 
if you're the underdog um, and you're starting to basically uh, um, say nasty things about the the injury leader, like you, you're really coming off as a dick. Yeah. I mean, you're not really coming off as like you know somebody who's like. And the thing is, the people who have uh, uh, create Express, um, you know, particularly the uh, the formal the formal um, uh, Learn Boost uh, guys, they're now with uh, um, WordPress bought their their um, uh, cloud up startup, but uh, or spin off. But um, those are all fantastic guys. I mean, they are uh, just awesome people and brilliant engineers. So for me to go out and like say anything bad about their work, I disagree with the choices they've made. Um, and I think that architecturally what they've produced is not compatible with, with the parts I want to have. Right. But like to say that it's bad or it's, it's just going to be stupid. Um, and the thing is, those are very two different philosophies. Express is very lightweight. It's basically just giving you very, very a little bit of, of sugar um, on top of Node. And that, that's what most people want. So, I don't think I need to be a. Yeah. We, we don't need to actively go against it. Now. Like, but at the same time, like we're definitely trying to get more people to adopt Happy. Um, we're definitely trying to to highlight, you know, where we think we're better than than uh, other frameworks in terms of the functionality we provide. Mm-hmm. But I think you can do it without, you know, without being a dick. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's what you all are doing. So, I uh, I congratulate and thank you for that. So. For the listeners of the uh, new listeners of the show, um, we do at the end of every episode we ask the same questions to our guests. So Aaron, I'll go ahead and ask them to you now. Um, it's the first one is for a call to arms. So something around Happy or any one of its modules or in Node in general that you'd like to see the open source community kind of pitch in and contribute to. Uh, mostly just use it. Um, we really are looking for more people to give it a try. Um, and the thing is, if you try it and you don't like it, please tell us why. Like, go open an issue and say, I tried it, didn't like it, here's why I didn't like it, good luck with it. <laughs> um, like, we love issues. We actually don't have a Google group, um, like most other projects, because we, we just want everybody to open issues. Like, right. And we have a, a label called discussion. So we're basically using GitHub issues just like a, a mailing list. Um, and we find that it, it's basically, it's creating a, a, a psychological... Um, <laughs> Um, barrier that people are less likely to be spammy and and um, uh, and troll, uh, where in the mailing list it's kind of like expected. Right. Uh, so it's working really well. But like really like like my request is for people to just go and give it a try and play with it, um, find bugs, um, uh, ask for more stuff, and uh, and we're happy to uh, to to engage. Awesome. If you weren't working at Walmart or working on Happy, what would you be doing? Um, I would be a full-time farmer. <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty much. Right now, I'm, I'm only a part-time farmer. I would, I would, uh, if I, if I could afford to, uh, to do that full-time, that, that's definitely what I would be doing. There's a, there's a famous farming joke of uh, a farmer goes to Vegas and, and win the jackpot. So everybody's saying like, what are you going to do now? And he kind of looks up and he thinks about it and says, um, I think I can continue being a farmer for another five years. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you what What would you farm? What do you you live out in California? So are you uh, are you into like avocado? Uh, I actually like I, I'm not a big fan of the, the the orchard stuff. So I have a small apple orchard, but mm-hmm. uh, mostly uh, a lot of vegetables, um, and I have uh, quite a lot of uh, um, animals between uh, uh, chicken, ducks, geese, emus, um, alpacas, pigs. Um, 
bunch of beehives. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, beehives. You're definitely the first guest that we've had that would, that has said that. But it still it kind of is a recurring theme. It's very rare for us to get you know a um, somebody that we would say, "What would you rather be doing?" And they would say, "Oh, I'd go into another you know te- technology industry or something like that." Typically, developers and people that that's in my experience that sit behind a computer all day tend to want to do something with their hands if they had more time, you know? So for you, it'd be farming. For me, it'd be woodworking. And, and some people, it's surfing and all that. So yeah, it's, it's a common theme among developers that I found to, to, I agree with you, to kind of dream about doing things with your hands. Woodworking and bees. And, yeah. Cool. So I, uh, I actually, uh, um, I gave a talk at uh, RealTimeConf um, in October. Uh, basically, all I did was talk about food for an hour. <laughs> Uh, to engineers and uh, it was like by far the the most insane talk production I've ever uh, put together it was four months of uh, of preparation I had to actually uh, rent a, a U-Haul and drive it all the way to Portland from California because I had too much stuff I couldn't ship it that's crazy yeah you so did it uh, yeah so so developers I'm sure were very uh, glad to hear you talk about food it was fun. It was uh, it was it was like a psychotic, you know, like I think like the budget was like over five grand for the talk. It was crazy. Wow. But uh, yeah, and the video is online, so uh, you should check it out. Yeah, we'll have to link to that. Uh, our last question is for a programmer hero, somebody in your in your life that has been influential. Um, I don't think anybody has been influential, but uh, I would say uh, Roberta Williams would be my my childhood engineering hero. Uh, of course, if you don't, if you're if you're not as old as me, um, she created all the King Quest games. Oh, yeah. um, so uh, uh, she, 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 together with her husband Ken, they created uh, Sierra Online. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I grew up on on, on those games, and uh, and you know all I want to do is kind of like reverse engineer them and figure out how they're done. <laughs> um, played my first King Quest, you know, when I was uh, probably ten or eleven year old. So that's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I have fond memories of games that I played when I was a kid. The, the, the one thing about this industry that has, uh, has kind of amused me or shocked me at, 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 at kind of both levels is, uh, you know, you, you expect a lot of your coworkers to have spent a lot of their childhood playing video games on the computer. And, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of developers just didn't, didn't come that route. So it's kind of interesting to me to bump into someone else that, that you know, enjoyed a lot of the, the old school games that... Uh, that perhaps a lot of the newer developers kind of never even heard of. Yeah, my kids are playing King Quest now, so it's fun. I, I, they're playing right next to me, and they keep asking me, like, how do you spell this? How do you spell that? <laughs> That's so it's, awesome. It's, yeah. Well, cool. Well, hey, I wanted to say thanks again for joining us on today's show. We're here with Aaron Hammer from Walmart Labs and Spumco, as they're so noted on GitHub, uh, talking about Happy and Black Friday and, and the success it was. And that you guys are definitely doing a, uh, a pretty awesome thing for the Node community. And, and, I mean, shoot, Node should write white papers about Walmart because I think it will help to pre, uh, preemptively squash any Node can't scale arguments after hearing the, uh, the success of Black Friday. But... Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to our sponsors, DigitalOcean and TopTel, for supporting the show. You can go to digitalocean.com to set up your cloud server today and make sure you use our promo code CHANGELOGSENTME. That's CHANGELOGSENTME, in all caps, to get a $10 hosting credit. And if you want to freelance with companies like Airbnb, Artsy, or IDEO, you can head to toptal.com developer and click join the best to see if you have what it takes to join TopTel's network of elite engineers. Again, the URL is 
toptal.com slash developer. And that's it for this week. Thanks again to Aaron Hammer for joining Aaron. I said that funny. Thanks again to Aaron Hammer for joining us. And also thanks to the listeners for tuning in and for your support. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe to the Changelog Weekly. It's our weekly op- weekly email where we share everything that hits our open source radar. You can subscribe at thechangelog.com slash weekly. Uh, I think we're off next week, right? We're gonna gonna encourage all of our developer friends and listeners to enjoy the holidays with your family and loved ones and we will be back uh, sometime in the new year. In the new year. Yeah. So until then guys, let's say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>